it been a day for me. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I remember syrup sandwiches and crime allowances for The consensus number one overall pick goes down for four to eight weeks. You got the Patriots defense not giving up a touchdown like we all thought. Just a lot of crazy stuff going on. I think Austin Eckler's your running back one. Keenan Allen's your wide receiver one. It's madness right now through three weeks of the fantasy football season. I'm Andrew Scher. Alongside me, Scott Smith, as always. You're listening to the Four Downs Fantasy Football Podcast. Scott, we were just talking about it uh, before the show. For me personally, it's kind of the weirdest starts. Maybe one of my worst starts. We're seeing a lot of underperforming guys. A lot of moving parts to where you drafted some guys and you thought they were good picks. Now you're 0-3. So it's a weird start to the year. So are you surviving the 2019 fantasy football season so far? Yeah, I mean, so far I've I've got maybe one team that I'm, I'm concerned about. But uh, I've got a couple of 3-0 and teams. I've got some 2-1 and teams. And I've got some 1-2 and teams that... Uh, unfortunately uh ran up against the uh garbage time uh scoring of russell wilson last week yeah i i went up against russ wilson in a league and i had saquon barkley so that didn't uh, really end up too well for me so let's jump right into it i said it in the intro the the um the the, the chargers are kind of being the big shock right now in the fantasy world keenan allen is on his way to a career season which I guess it's a little bit of a surprise, but not really. I've, I've always loved Keenan Allen. I think he's probably one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. And then you have Austin Eckler, who's balling out of control. But breaking news, 9 o'clock this morning, this came in from Adam Scheffner, you know, reporting that Melvin could be soon moving back. And then there's another local reporter who is reporting that they think he's back tomorrow. Now, he'll be back tomorrow, possibly, but he's not playing this week. So you would probably see a return date. Um, in October, because I believe next week, I think, actually, yeah, yeah, next week, so not on a bye week yet, so Melvin Gordon could be coming back, we're starting to see the Austin Eckler and the Justin Jackson kind of break out 112 rushing yards per game for both of those guys, they're really holding the, uh, holding everything down for now, so Scott, Melvin Gordon, if he comes back next week, I mean, that's got to be a, a big shakeup for that whole offense. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, we talked about it. Austin Eckler, the surprise RB1 on the season. Um, you know, so far he, he's been highly efficient, which has pretty much been what his game is, you know, throughout his career. A, a lot of people didn't think that he could keep up the efficiency, but he's done so. He's a big, you know, just a big play waiting to happen. He, he does a lot when he gets the ball in his hands. Um, I, I just think Melvin Gordon's getting to a point where he realizes he has little to no leverage as Austin Eckler's out there balling out and Justin Jackson's uh, putting up respectable numbers as well. Yeah, I think it's also kind of a so it's kind of a wait and see game. So I mean, look, I think you're seeing Melvin. He sits out a few weeks, gets him gets his knees right, and comes back. I think he'll be a fresh running back. So that'll be interesting. I mentioned at the top of the show, it's it's you know it's got to be mentioned a little bit. Uh, we'll touch on it when we get to waiver wire as well, but Saquon Barkley, high ankle sprain, those are never good. Those seem to linger. Um, four to eight weeks is a super interesting timetable because it's such a wide range of when he could come back. So Saquon Barkley, Scott, um, I guess really the only question we'll hit on in the news is, you, you, you know, are you worried that maybe the Giants will stink and they'll hold him out, or you think uh, he'll come back in a little bit and... Uh, He'll be uh, regain that running back one uh, label that he's had on him. 
Look, I think the big news is Daniel Jones. So, you know, with, with Saquon going down, the, look, Giants fan base and, and, and everybody is just pumped about what you saw out of Daniel Jones. So I think they'll be in a rush to get Saquon back, but I think they'll do the right thing. It says four to eight weeks on the timetable. People healed differently, but from what I read and, and based upon the high ankle sprain and just the history of people who've had it, they're expecting it to be a little bit on that longer side towards the eight-week territory. Um, and I also think that you can you can really gain a lot of information based upon what the Giants do as far as roster moves or trying to fill that running back position if they sign somebody else or if it's you know Wayne Gallman. So it, it, it'll be interesting over the next week or two to, to really see how they play out. They play a horrible Washington Redskins team this week. So I, I think you're going to continue to see a, a lot of, uh, look, it's going to be Daniel Jones. It's going to be Sterling Shepard. And it's going to be a whole lot of Evan Ingram. I think those guys are, are, are in nice situations this week as far as the rankings are, are going to play out and, and where they're going to perform. So I think that's going to be an interesting thing, but we'll also get into it a little bit later. But Golden Tate's set to come back after this week as well. T.Y. Hilton, unsure if he's going to be able to give it a go Sunday. Um, T.Y. Hilton, I mean, <laughs> we we crapped on him so much. I crap on him outside of this podcast. He's on like an 18 touchdown pace for the season. So it's not something that's going to be sustainable. But T.Y. Hilton, Scott, um, we've seen it with the injuries before. Um, you know, this time it's, it's his quad. Um, he says, he says he's doing better, still remains day to day. Um, I mean, are you expecting, uh, you know, we'll touch on it more in our next podcast when we do our game by game preview, but you worried about it? Are you, are you worried that this could be something that lingers for TY who's had issues in the past? Yeah, I think you just have to pay attention to the beat reporters and, and what they have to say. I don't have a good read on this situation with T.Y. I think because of the production right now in PPR leagues, he's a distributing targets evenly within that offense. So if T.Y. is out there and you have him, unless there's a really, really high option that you have to, to replace him, I think T.Y. almost has to be in their lineup if he ends up playing. Cam Newton, um, the you know he didn't play last week. Kyle Allen looked he, he didn't look bad last week. I mean it was against a probably possibly one of the worst defenses in the NFL in the Arizona Cardinals. But um, I mean Cam Newton, Liz Frank injury. This doesn't seem good. My gut is telling me Cam's going to be out for the year somehow. He's going to take a rest year. If they cut him next year, they save twenty one million dollars. So. I don't know. It's a little fishy situation in Carolina. I think, you know, I think they're they're close to blowing it up, which kind of stinks because they have DJ Moore. But uh, are you worried about Cam? Do you think he's droppable? Because I'll, you know, I'll say it right now. I dropped Cam Newton in two leagues today. Yeah, I absolutely think Cam's droppable. And uh, there was a good tweet that uh, somebody sent out that I read, and it basically looked at the the Panthers' last six games, and in the last six games. Cam's played four of them and has zero touchdowns. Kyle Allen has played two and has six touchdowns. So I think that's kind of telling about where Cam's at within this offense and specifically how this injury is going to linger. Um, we talked about it, you know, with game one. You, you could kind of see that something just wasn't right with the foot. And if if Cam's not going to going to be a mobile quarterback, then I don't think too many teams are, are really threatened by him as, a, as strictly a pocket passer. So I think if uh, the injury is really there, and it's it's legitimate. Then I, I think it would benefit Cam Newton and the Panthers and the Panthers receivers for to have him set out. Now 
you have to take what Kyle Allen did with a grain of salt because of who it was against. It was against a, a porous Arizona Cardinals defense. So if you're a guy out there looking for a quarterback help or streaming quarterbacks, don't expect a, a repeat and, and for Kyle Allen to continue to function in that capacity. Let's jump, let, let's jump right into it. So waiver wire uh, week four. So, there's not a lot of guys. We can really just touch on it quickly. So um, who is your top priority this week, Scott, if you had to pick one? You know, I think a lot of people are, are just going to automatically have tunnel vision for for Wayne Gallman. But I think there's some caution to be had there. Um, Wayne Gallman's only owned in 10% of Yahoo leagues and 2% of ESPN leagues. But the guy I'm actually more interested in from a running back position is Alexander Madison. I think Alexander Madison has um, a little bit more viability as as far as being a league winner. I think you look at what Minnesota's doing and how run-heavy they are actually beating the pace that uh, the Seattle Seahawks had last year. And I, I think he's still getting his. You, you saw him get a, a, a touchdown, and he's still getting the, the opportunity that you'd like to see out of somebody who's not even the starter. So I think if there's a, a possibility – you know, with Dalvin Cook as good as what he's been, if something happens to him because he's on a pace right now to touch the ball over 350 times on the year. So with that amount of of work and with his past injury history, I really like Alexander Madison as far as being a, a guy that I'm looking for. He's currently a running back, 48 in PPR leagues, but he's had 25 carries for 132 yards and, and one touchdown. And if he goes down, he's going to be a workhorse there in Minnesota. So right now, currently 20% owned in, e- in Yahoo leagues, 13% in ESPN leagues. So he's a guy I think that I'm veering a little bit more towards than Wayne Gallman. I think when you start looking at Wayne Gallman, you have to ask yourself, are the Giants going to sign anybody else? And specifically, how long is Saquon Barkley going to be out? There's some other guys floating around out there, and I'll, I'll touch on them a little bit, but Jay Ajayi popped into the news today that he's going to be game-ready next week. Is Jay Ajayi a, a guy that, that could possibly you know, be on a short list to come in for the New York Giants and, and give some running back help and maybe you know, all these people that are out there trying to spend 25% of their, their fab dollars to, to get Wayne Gallman. Is, is that something that could really throw a monkey wrench into what Wayne Gallman's projections are going to be? So Jay Ajayi is definitely a name I'd keep an eye on. You can even look at him, maybe possibly finding a way to, to Tampa or some of these other teams that are really struggling at running back. I think Philip Dorsett would be my favorite waiver wire claim this week. You're, you're, you're an interesting stat that I saw, um, New England, 73% of the time that that offense has been on the field this year, they're running three wide receiver sets. Um, I know I think that number could be a little convoluted with that Miami game when they try to get Antonio Brown some uh, some some run, but he's gone now. A lot of wide receiver sets. When I thought they'd be running the ball more this year, um, and they really haven't played a competitive game yet. So I like Philip Dorsett a lot this year now that AB is gone. I think, you know, Edelman, Dorsett, and Gordon, it's going to be an interesting little trio. Um, I think we're going to see what we thought Chris Hogan could have been. I mean, look, Dorsett's 26 years old, 40% owned. I think he's a solid flex play for the time being, and I, I like Philip Dorsett a lot. So playing off that, Scott, I guess we'll just jump right into those wide receivers. Um, I think kind of the, the top fab guys you know, this week based on their ownership levels. So it's going to be guys who are really not owned a lot. So 
Philip Dorsett is is a name thrown out there. And I saw Marquez Valdez Scantling and DJ Chark, but they're both over sixty five percent owned. So that's kind of an interesting. I don't really know if we need to touch on them too much. I mean, if they're out there, go get them for sure. But Philip Dorsett, um, Preston Williams is six percent owned. Deontay Johnson five percent owned. There's a little rumbling there that he's going to step up and be a big factor for Mason Rudolph. So Philip Dorsett, Deontay Johnson, kind of any, any of those guys uh, intrigue you? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think Philip Dorsett's the most interesting one. You want somebody who's uh, you know going to be attached to a solid quarterback and, and Tom Brady in a, a top-tier offense, which is what that New England Patriots offense has been. So he's the one that, that is most interesting to me because he, he's he's seeing the touchdown. He's getting deep plays. But you also go back to his, his draft profile and pedigree. He was a first-round draft pick you know, coming out of Miami. He, he's 83rd percent spark score, 4.33 you know, 40-yard dash. So I, I think Philip Dorsett's just one of those guys that's rounding into to shape into form within that Patriots offense that has a lot of targets to go around, especially when you start considering the fact that Julian Edelman's a little bit banged up. So I, I do like him. One other guy that I'm really going to hit on that, that I think is intriguing is, is Cole Beasley. Um, I, I think Cole Beasley and, and what he's done thus far, nine targets week one, ten targets week three, against the Giants. He, he only had four targets, was four for four, but still had 83 yards. So I think Cole Beasley is putting up replacement level numbers as far as like being able to get somebody into your lineup and, and you're seeing double digits and in, in fantasy, uh, you know, points per game as far as PPR goes. So I think he's an interesting game that not a lot of people are going to be high on. He's not going to be very flashy, but I think he's somebody that you can use during some of these bye weeks and, and as depth replacement to, to get into the lineup that's going to be dependable. Um, just, I, I mean, I just, you know, um, I saw him this morning after waivers had cleared, so he was not really anywhere. Deontay Johnson, any interest in him? So we kind of hit on this before the show started. We talked about it a little bit, but what are we really making out of this uh, out of this Pittsburgh offense right now? Uh, Deontay Johnson, I, I think, is is definitely a player you can go ahead and stash. I, I wouldn't recommend wasting a, a large amount of uh, your fab dollars on it, but I think Deontay Johnson's definitely interesting after we saw absolutely nothing out of Deontay Moncrief. Um, you start looking at, at, at Adam, you know, and just how the offense functioned. He, he got a deep touchdown. He, he looked like he performed well, and he's been told that he's going to be the starter moving forward. So um, I, I think you have to, to go ahead and, and see. Mason Rudolph does like to pass the ball deep. And uh, if you go back to Deontay Johnson's, college days he's got a lot of production uh, you know as far as the return game and special teams goes and generally speaking that when you go to project wide receivers that comes to play into a lot of guys that perform well so I, I think Deontay Johnson is very intriguing but I wouldn't blow my fat bank for him running backs um I scooped him up in a few leagues last week I think I remember you were like what are you doing like I was just kind of trying to be retroactive in a few leagues that we play in that are really deep and really competitive so just want to talk about him. Daryl Williams. So I know you mentioned to me that I think the player might not do it for you, but I mean, that role has to do it for you, right? I mean, we see these running backs perform well, and I was surprised he looked good last week. Daryl Williams, he's 5% owned. Uh, he was probably snatched up in some of your leagues today, but if he's not, go take a look at him. So Daryl Williams, what are your thoughts there? 
Yeah, Daryl Williams performed very well. Um, and I, I think what Daryl Williams like did this week is more of an indictment upon where Darwin Thompson stands within the the pecking order for for the Chiefs. So you, you saw him get run over Darwin Thompson whenever Shady McCoy uh, went down with with his injury. But I, I think it's just going to be a little bit of a mess within that offense. But, you know, if you have Damian Williams out and you have Shady McCoy out, I, I think Daryl Williams is going to have some upside. That offense has just proved time and time again that if you're the lead guy in, in that offense, in that backfield, that you're going to put up numbers. So it, it's almost like a, a plug and replace type of deal. You know, if if you have a chance to, to get one of those guys when they're starting, I think you definitely do it. But you know, how long is Darrell Williams going to be in this position? Damian Williams will probably be back this week. Yeah, I would expect Shady McCoy not to be out for too long. So you're just kind of in a little bit of a, a strange position. But if Darrell Williams is, is sitting at the end of your bench and, and ends up being able to start and split work with either LaShawn McCoy or Damian Williams, I think you get him in your lineup because I don't think that that offense is just a, a, a single running back uh, backfield. I think it's very much going to be split. So if either LaShawn McCoy or Damian Damian Williams is out, and Darrell Williams is is kind of that that one B to either one of those guys. I, I think he's playable. Not confirmed yet, but there's been talk that Damian could have a knee bruise, uh, which actually a bone bruise. Excuse my excuse me there. So apparently a bone bruise could keep him out a little while. So that's an interesting topic of discussion. I don't want to talk about him, but I have to ask him. I have to ask about him, Scott. I really hate saying this man's name. Rex Burkhead is out here trying to destroy. A lot of people's fantasy values at these with these Patriots running backs. So, what the hell's going on with Rex Burkhead? Forty percent owned. Should he be owned? Should he be started? Like this sucks, man. I I can't stand Rex Burkhead. Like he just needs to 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 just to just go away. Look, we we talked about it during the preseason, and uh, it just seems every year whoever is the the lowest valued. Patriots running back as far as ADP goes is the guy to go ahead and bet on and get a piece out of. We're kind of like looking at is Damian Williams because of his draft stock and, and, and be, not Damian Williams, Damian Harris. Um, is he going to be the guy that, that kind of comes in and, and steals it from Sony Michelle? But look, with James White out due to the birth of his child and, and uh, you know, kind of a cake matchup, it, it was more Rex Burkhead getting quality production, quality snaps, and, and really outstapping Sony Michelle. It's just more Bellatrix. I mean that's that's all I can really say. Like if you're you're running out there with Sony Michelle, expecting Sony to to do it for you, you're really bummed out and probably uh, taking a few L's based upon the production thus far this year. But I, I think Rex Burkhead, his production and specifically his uh, snap count and touches are going to have to come down. I, I think it was just one of those weeks. Um, and the Patriots, like we said, they really haven't been in a competitive game yet thus far so i would expect to see more james white and sony michelle moving forward but i think rex burkhead is definitely rosterable at this point in time and i think he is in a, a good position as the direct backup for both james white and sony michelle if one were to go down season long last two guys uh, real quickly will disley um gotta ask scott um my opinion he is one of the top i wouldn't put him above dorsett and i know there's a lot of other position players you're going to want to go after because they have more startability and higher ceilings but will disley i think he's got top five upside this week at the tight end position because the arizona cardinals do not know how to cover tight end so will disley i personally i would start him over tj hawkinson this week i'd probably even start him over mark andrews this week personally i know that might be a stretch but will disley you like him a lot this week 
Yeah, I think it's proven, you know, after about three weeks, you can start to see trends and how things are playing out. So even though it's a still still a small sample size as far as the season goes, the, the Arizona Cardinals are absolutely struggling to, to defend tight ends. So you saw it week one with TJ Hawkinson. You saw it again week two. And then this, just this past week again, tight ends are just killing Arizona. So at this point in time, if if you're one of the guys that are out there streaming tight ends, Will Disley is a start this week against the Arizona Cardinals defense. And, you know, you talk about the process and how to do things. And, and I think that's absolutely a play for the week. Um, Daniel Jones got to ask about him. I know we, we talk about the, you know, quarterback being deep, but I just have to ask about it because he's kind of leading off a lot of waiver wire discussions. Uh, Daniel Jones, he looked awesome last week. Um, I need to give a shout out to, um, to I think it was, um, oh crap, uh, a guy with uh, CBS Sports, Will Brinson, NFL, covers the NFL over there. He, uh, you know, was not really talking about it from a fantasy perspective. He was talking about it from a football perspective, and he brought it up and said, "Look, Daniel Jones in college, he ran the ball a lot. He was kind of like a Josh Allen. It was really the comparable that they gave him. So he expected that Giants offense to really change. He." He predicted a lot of running for Daniel Jones, and we saw just that. He was not afraid to take off with his legs, 33 rushing yards, four total touchdowns. I mean, look, we crapped on him. Everybody crapped on Daniel Jones. So I think that's why like no one's going to get scolded for it because we all crapped on him. So fair to say, but, man, look, he looked good, Scott, going up against a Washington defense at home who's not good. No Saquon Barkley, so you have to expect him to be – throwing the ball all over the place. Daniel Jones, are you excited about him? Are you going to get him if you're – if you're having, you know, issues at quarterback, like let's say, which is a lot of my league. So let's say you have some Jared Goff and Jameis Winston as your, as your quarterbacks. Are you looking at Daniel Jones? If you have lost big Ben and Drew Brees, Daniel Jones on your radar. So what do you think about him? Look, I think uh, if you're having quarterback struggles, it's it's perfectly logical to go ahead and, and look at that Washington Redskins matchup this week and circle Daniel Jones as a streaming option. I, I think uh, it would be a little bit naive to expect another 38 points, but we hit on it last week, and I think I think I called Daniel Jones uh, Josh Allen light. That 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 was what he there had. And, um, you know, I, look, I, I think he's, he's in a good position um, not having Saquon Barkley is going to put a lot more of the pressure on him and a lot more of the focus on what he can do as a quarterback. So I think I would expect to see some of those games, you know, just those games between defense and an offensive coordinator this week between those two teams. But I, I think he's in a good position against the Redskins this week. If you need a streaming option, I would definitely consider him. All right, let's, that'll really do it for waiver wires. A lot of, you know, just not not really a lot of impact. Uh, Look, let's call it what it is. There's a lot of trash on the yeah. waiver wire. So <laughs> if if you've been listening to the show, a lot of the guys that we suggested uh, on the waiver wire have been plucked up through the first couple of weeks. Terry McLaurin looks like an absolute stud there in Washington and is just performing week in and week out. I want to say they said he set an NFL record, the first rookie to have five catches and a touchdown in each of his first three games. So that was an interesting stat, but... There's just not much out there. Um, the the two guys I think you need to kind of touch on, both coming back off a of suspension, if you want to be proactive, is Golden Tate and Chris Herndon would kind of be the final take as far as, you know, hitting on on what's out there as far as the waiver wire. So if you're really struggling and want to be proactive on on a couple of those guys, I would uh, maybe make that move this week when before everybody's expecting it. Let's jump into it. Um, buy, sell, hold. I think this is this is a big. This is a big topic right now. I think um, what needs to be said as well is, um, quickly, Scott, 
You mentioned some one and two teams, which if you're one and two, don't freak out. I mean, you know, it's, you can make that up. Um, if you got some zero and three teams, uh, should you be looking into buying, selling, and holding? Because I feel like, you know, I had a league last year. Uh, I had Todd Gurley. I was zero and three. I traded him for Amari Cooper, Dalvin Cook, and Latavius Murray, and that worked out pretty well for me. I wound up winning the championship. So, I think I think if you're zero and three, your chances are low. You might as well shake it up, unless you have some supreme talent. So, I think if you're in a bind, Scott, should you really look into trading this week? Try to shake your team up in any way possible. Yeah, I think so. Often I always say that, uh, you know, fantasy football season doesn't really start until the bye weeks happen. So you're going to have bye weeks hitting this year. I mean, this week. There's there's a lot of teams that you're going to see that have good records right now going into this bye week. Uh, and, and the thing is, not all rosters are built the same. So while somebody might be 1-2 and two or 0-3, oh and three, they probably have more depth than some of these teams that are hitting that are 3-0 are, are and 2-1. Oh and, and and so I don't think it's necessarily panic time. But if you're 0-3, you have to make some moves. Um, I think you have to be you know, very strategic within your, your waiver wire. But also you have to start hitting some, some, some trade offers and maybe start looking at some buy-low options. And while your, your team is struggling, if you have a guy that, may, that is maybe overperforming that's been your best player thus far, I think you have to look at maybe trading him to, to maybe put together some stacks or get some buy-low options of, of guys that – that traditionally have, have been within the top, you know, 12 to 24 receivers and, and are maybe underperforming thus far. Cause there's a lot of those guys out there that some other owners might be willing to give up on. Let's jump into a buy, sell and hold. So uh, it's our universal buy, buy low. Um, just do it quick, do it today, do it immediately before he goes off against the Philadelphia Eagles. Devonte Adams probably is the universal buy low. Yeah, absolutely for me. I think you have a very small window between today and tomorrow whenever that game hits because I think the Philadelphia Eagles have a, a defense, specifically a secondary, that's easy to take advantage of. You heard it in the news earlier this week with Aaron Rodgers saying it's just unacceptable to to be getting Devontae Adams such a small number of targets that he's seen through the first three weeks. You know, I, I just think it, it's absolutely prime time for him to go off. Another buy low. Um, we laughed about him last week, uh, Leonard Fournette. So, um, I read an article. Shout out John Shipley writes with uh, Jaguar Nation up for Sports Illustrated. Did a really good piece. Dove into that offensive line play. A lot of offensive line struggles. You mentioned it as well. He kind of touched on it too. That Leonard's kind of changing his running style to try to to try to just survive the offensive line onslaught. But Leonard Fournette, I feel like he's a good buy low. I feel like a lot of people are frustrated with him, and I feel like some owners are definitely going to give him up for next to nothing. Yeah, my my wife was she's got Leonard Fournette on a team that she drafted, and she asked me the other day, she's like, "Can I just stop starting Leonard Fournette?" I was like, "No." I was like, "You have to keep him." She's like, "Well, can I just drop him?" I was like, "No, you can't drop him." Look, Leonard Fournette right now is the running back 16 in in PPR leagues, and he hasn't gotten into the end zone. The numbers don't look great. But if I can point to anything that, that would make Leonard Fournette owners just kind of hold tight is you start looking at his targets. And if I told you right now that Leonard Fournette has one less target than Christian McCaffrey, that would actually surprise some people. So I think with 20 targets on the year, 14 receptions, I think Leonard Fournette 
has a solid floor right now based upon those receiving numbers in PPR leagues. The running game is going to come. He's going to get into the end zone sooner or later. They've had some growing pains. It's taken, you know, a quarterback injury and Gardner Minshew kind of getting comfortable. And you saw that start to take place last week. And and look, they've had some some games and some matchups that that weren't necessarily the greatest as far as matchups go. But I think you're going to see that change here coming coming soon and Leonard Fournette's definitely a buy low candidate I would definitely try to get him and if you're on one of these teams or if you own a team that that's one and two or zero oh and three for me he's definitely going to be a hold so he's not somebody I want you to go shipping off and giving up on yet let's jump into some some of our cells so let's just let's let's kind of um merge over from Leonard to Austin Eckler so Austin Eckler he's like running back one right now he's going out of control Melvin Gordon news, Austin Eckler. Would you trade Austin Eckler for Leonard Fournette? Absolutely. I'd trade Austin Eckler for for Leonard Fournette. So the thing for me with Austin Eckler is that Melvin Gordon's going to come back and you're going to see some of the snap volume and touch volume go down. I think Austin Eckler will continue to reduce as a, a running back too. So I think there's value there. However, what you can get for return on your investment is, is what we're really looking for right now. So when you start looking at some some running backs that maybe haven't been performing you know, quite where you expected them, and you start talking, talking about a guy like Leonard Fournette who has absolutely no, no competition there for touches within that backfield, for me, uh, I'd rather go with Leonard Fournette than, than have Austin Eckler. I think Austin Eckler will still produce, but... I'm a little bit more comfortable with Leonard Fournette and, and you know just how solidified his role is within that offense now, especially with those additional targets going his way. Let's talk about Stephon Diggs, Scott. Um, I think you know as long as me and you have been together in this fantasy world, we've always kind of really uh, we we've we've been on the Stephon Diggs breakouts uh, two years ago and last year we, we really hyped him up so. We love Stephon Diggs, but now we're worried about him because, I mean, the target volume is just insanely low. Yeah, so far in the year through through games and, and with Minnesota being as run heavy as what they are, you're seeing Stephon Diggs get about four uh, targets a game and, and two receptions, and that's just not going to do it. There's no amount of efficiency that you're going to see that's going to raise those numbers. So when you're really projecting fantasy football players, you're really looking at three things. You're, you're looking at talent and, and you know what they have. So with Stephon Diggs, we know the talent's there. So that's not an issue. You're looking at past production. So we know the past production ha- has been there. So what's really changed? And right now that's volume and that's a new offensive coordinator. And, and I just don't foresee that volume changing. I, I think you're going to have games where Stephon Diggs gets loose, uh, you know, but I just don't think that that Minnesota offense can support two uh, top 24 wide receivers at this point in time. And I think Stefan Diggs, unfortunately, is that odd man out. I think you're going to start hearing some rumblings um, and some undertones maybe of uh, some possible trade requests or, or things of that nature. And look, right now, I, I'd hate to say it, if you're a Stefan Diggs owner, I think he's definitely a sell, but I just don't know what you're going to get back for him. At, at this point in time, he, he's probably about as low as he can be. And I think you have to start venturing out there and see if you can flip him for a guy, maybe just on, on name value alone, uh, you know, from what Stephon Diggs has done. You can maybe target a guy like Terry McLaurin and hope that you can get Terry McLaurin. But look, right now I'm selling Stephon Diggs. In Dynasty Leagues, it's a little bit different. 
Um, but definitely in uh, you know season long leagues, I'm trying to see what I can get. I'm throwing some feelers out there for uh, what I can move stuff on digs for. If someone offers you, actually put it this way, if someone is willing to send you Allen Robinson for Stephon Diggs, would you do that? I'm absolutely jumping on it because that offense is basically operating with Allen Robinson as the uh, wide receiver one within that offense. I think the target volume's there for Allen Robinson to to continue. And, and look, Allen Robinson right now isn't, you know, he's he's wide receiver 38 in PPR leagues, but he's got 27 targets. So you're, you're talking nine targets a game. So the opportunity is there for Allen Robinson, whereas, you know, you start looking at Stephon Diggs and he's 15 targets behind with another uh, receiver and Adam Thielen to compete with. So let's kind of let's stay on the, on the topic of Minnesota. So Adam Thielen. So I think he's a hold. Um, I think I think you kind of agree here, Scott. I think he's got really he's got a cemented role. He's got a connection with Kirk Cousins. Um, and I just, I don't, I don't see that. I don't see his role changing. I think he's going to be that solid receiver one out there. So are you holding Thielen? Are you looking to move him? Or you think he should just be a solid top 16 or so wide receiver for the rest of the way? So I'm holding Thielen as a, a wide receiver too, but I'm not, he's not a solid hold for me. I'm not comfortable specifically with that, that offense. So I'm a guy that's going to throw some feelers out there and see what I can get for Adam Thielen, especially when you see him coming off of a two-touchdown game. This would be the week to go ahead and do so. So some other guys, you know, if you can move Thielen and maybe another piece for Devontae Adams, that's something that I'm doing. That's something that I'm, I'm jumping on as quickly as I can. So I, I think in certain circumstances, it, maybe if you need running back help and there's an owner that needs wide receiver help, I think depending upon what you can get back as far as investment goes, I, I think uh, I think Adam Thielen's a piece that I, I'm not against moving, provided that I can get the right return for. I, I think uh, if you have him on your team, I don't think he's in a position where he's going to necessarily lose you games, but I also don't think he's in a position where he's going to consistently win you games. So for that being said, and just with the name recognition, I think you can hold him, but I think you can also actively shop him and, and see if you get the right deal. Holds. Any other holds that you kind of wanted to touch on? So for me, I, I think one of the guys we really have to discuss who who's kind of just in a weird position is Juju Smith-Schuster. I, I think, you know, we, we were very high on him this year, and, and within a range of outcomes, I don't think we predicted that uh, Big Ben would get hurt and that he would be struggling quite as much as uh, what he has so far. But when you start looking at, at his game logs, and look, he had a, a long touchdown, but three for 81 with a touchdown looks good, you know, at 17.1 PPR points, but it's not, what you drafted him to do you you drafted him to be a core piece of of you know the the top scoring guys in the league as as far as wide receiver goes and and what's really been concerned to me is that the target volume that I expected is not there he's actually seeing less targets than than what he saw last year and that's with Antonio Brown going so the the Steelers appear to to be an absolute mess right now they're on you know just players are underperforming on all levels so I think Juju's in a weird position because I don't think you're going to get back what you paid for him. I don't think you'll get a reasonable return on your investment. So for right now, for me, because of that, he's going to continue to be a hold. 
So through through three games, he's got eight, eight, and seven targets. Um, you know, he hasn't gone over 100 yards yet, but he's still in that that 78 to 84 yard range as far as his production has been through these first three games. Lowest game on the season was 13.4 uh, PPR points. That's not going to be your wide receiver one territory, but at this point in time, I think you have to hold him. Chris Godwin, you think people are going to get scared off? You think he could be a good future buy low because he saw, you know, not a lot of output last week because it was a Mike Evans game. This week they're going into Los Angeles against the Rams, so I don't really expect a big game from Chris Godwin. So do you think after this week it could be a little buy low for Chris Godwin? I, I don't think you're at that point yet because he's still a, a wide receiver 24 on the season. I mean, uh, I think whenever whenever peak draft season hit, he was kind of a uh, wide receiver 19 to 21 range. So he's performing about as expected. You had one bad game out of him, and you can't really put that game on him whenever you saw Mike Evans just going gonzo like on, on the week. Like he, like how can you tell the the quarterback or the offensive coordinator to to go away from what's working so well as far as Mike Evans? But I, I think it, it, it's a good paradigm of what you're going to see out of this uh, Tampa Bay offense throughout the year. I think you'll have huge games like you saw out of Mike Evans, but I think Chris Godwin will continue to to go ahead and be the more consistent performer on a weekend and week out basis. So I would just take it with a grain of salt. I, I think this will be a big game against the the Rams to see specifically how Godwin performs against a good defense um, and just see how things go. But if, if he does perform badly, then, yeah, start throwing some feelers out there to get Godwin as a possible buy low. But for me, I, I'm he's somebody I'm definitely holding on to, and I don't think you hit the panic button yet. Uh, anyone else that you kind of are curious about? Because I think, uh, you know, sticking on the topic of Juju Smith-Schuster, I think uh, uh, James Conner is definitely under a microscope for his owners. <laughs> So for me, James Conner was a guy that when we, we hit on it earlier, I think on one of our shows we asked a question of the running backs in the top 12 who I thought would have the biggest chance of falling out of that top 12. And James Conner was a guy that, that I initially said. Later on as the preseason hit and I saw James Conner running around out there healthy, looking good, I kind of flip-flopped on that and towards you know some of my later drafts I actually drafted James Conner as my my running back one and it's been abysmal thus far that the the leagues that I'm struggling in the most are the ones that I have James Conner in so I think along with James Conner another guy that lumps in very much to that same you know kind of category is Todd Gurley so I think both James Conner and Todd Gurley are, are guys that that you really have to to go ahead and take a look at as far as you know what's going on you know James Conner is still getting you know, his target volume, he's got 13 targets, 11 receptions for 70 yards. But I think you hit on it and, and said, like, his yards after after contact are just horrible right now. 50th. 50th out of running backs. He, uh, once he once he gets hit, he goes down. So it's, it, it's definitely some cause for concern. It was so funny because we started off the kind of the offseason like, okay, James Conner, we got some hype. And then it got really we, – we brought that hype down. Then we brought it back up because he looked fantastic in that third preseason game. And now we're kind of nervous. I mean, that is also a derivative of Big Ben going down. So James Conner, though, I mean, it's just a really interesting situation, I think, to say the least. Yeah, and I think the big question is, is at what point in time when you keep having, uh, you know, just efficiency issues with, with your touches and your, your yards after contact and just your overall production, when you have a guy like Jalen Samuels, whose college coach is now on that coaching staff, 
you know, at what point in time does Jalen Samuels start to creep in as far as like the touches go? And if Jalen Samuels starts to perform well, uh, I think you could end up seeing a one A 1A and one B, just a very much split backfield. So I think there's there's still got some time before that happens. But James Conner is a guy that I, I'm actually looking at selling. If I have him on my roster, I, I'm going to see what I can get for him. Uh, I think uh, you're in a position where you have other guys like Matt Breda. You know, I think David Montgomery's another guy that's kind of creeping up. But look, James Conner's in the same range as, as Peyton Barber right now. There's only about four or five points like going ahead and, and separating them as far as their, their PPR output. Um, I mean, Raheem Morse, that's a, a guy that basically came off the scrap heap who's outperformed uh, James Conner thus far. Chris Thompson's a guy that in, in PPR leagues went undrafted in some leagues, and, and he's the running back 18, is also outperforming James Conner at this point. And you hit it on it earlier, but Rex Burkhead so far has outperformed James Conner. So... At what point in time do you get panicked? And right now, that time is now. So I think you have to start looking at what you can get in return for James Conner before it really plummets. What would you sell? I mean, let's try to think of some hypotheticals here just to give people an idea. So James Conner, would you trade him for... Here's an interesting one. James Conner for Aaron Jones. I I would definitely take Aaron Jones. I'm more comfortable with how uh, that offense is functioning and what I've seen out of Aaron Jones versus what I've seen out of James Conner. I can tell you another guy that I would take. Right now, you know, missing a game this past week, I I would trade James Conner for James White if I'm in a PPR league at this point. Wow. I think uh, another one that you can kind of go for, I would would consider trading James Conner for Miles Sanders and maybe another piece at this point. Wow, that's interesting. So are you you're, you've kind of enjoy or you're kind of liking what you're seeing out of Sanders. You think that's going to trend upwards? I, I think what you're seeing out of Miles Sanders is you're seeing more and more. He had a touch. I mean, a fumble this past week, so uh, that's a little bit concerning. But I think Miles Sanders is continuing to to trend in a, on an upward level. Um, you know, Jordan Howard is has been lightly used. Um, you know, I, I just. I think by the end of the year, Miles Sanders is going to be a, a guy that's going to be a must-start in most lineups. Interesting, interesting. Any um, any more buy-sell holds that we haven't really touched on? So, uh, like, let's just hit on Ty Gurley real quick. I, I think Ooh, you start yeah. looking. <laughs> you start looking. At, you know, I brought him up and said him and and James Conner are kind of in that same category right now. Ty Gurley is the running back twenty-six, and I'll say this. I'm more comfortable with what I've seen out of Todd Gurley than what I've seen out of, out of James Conner. So if Todd Gurley is a, a guy that's out there, I would flip James Conner for Todd Gurley. So far, Todd Gurley's got 44 carries for 203 yards. The place where he's really missing out on is he's only got six targets so far. So the receiving work just isn't going you know, in his direction. But you know, are, are you more comfortable with an inefficient James Conner in a Pittsburgh offense led by Mason Rudolph or uh, a Ty Gurley that's not getting the, the passing work in a, a Los Angeles Rams offense that, you know, is typically going to score a lot of points. Are you, uh, I mean, you have to be concerned, concerned to some degree of what we've seen out of uh, Todd Gurley, right? Cause I mean, it's just, it's been a really weird start. Oh, it's definitely been a, a weird start. And I, I mean, you start seeing Malcolm Brown get, get what he's getting, but uh, I mean, it, it's, these are some of the tough decisions you have to make if you have these players on your roster right now. And, and I think if you're, 
if you're not trying to to better your roster and better your chances, I, I don't think you can just sit there and and wipe your season away and just hold on to these players and, and pray and hope. I think you have to look at the trends that are evolving as the season goes on. And and right now, you know, for Todd Gurley, the 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 rushing yards don't look bad. I think I think he's in a good spot rushing wise. It's just those targets that are concerning. Think anyone else we're missing, Scott? No, I mean not not anybody. I know we kind of turned this uh, waiver wire show into uh, more of a buy sell, you know, show. But I think it's important for people to start examining their rosters and specifically what they have and and how people are are performing. And and you have to start making some moves and thinking about getting your team better as the the te- the, the the season goes on. If you're sitting at zero and three right now, look, I, I play in leagues and I've seen seven and six teams make it, but. It's usually ends up being a, a tiebreaker where it's based upon points or you know some other different different options that leagues are set up for. But look, if you're zero and three, you can probably only afford to have three more losses. So you have to start making some moves to make your roster better. That'll do it for kind of the waiver and the buy low so high. So we'll just touch on it really quick because we usually do our waiver our our week our week uh, our, our week preview show Thursday night Friday morning. So Thursday night football. Um, it's going to be a weird game, man. These these Eagles are just destroyed by injuries right now. So we'll start on that side of the thing really quickly, Scott. So Eagles, I'm sitting Carson Wentz. Um, are you sitting Carson Wentz? Who else are you sitting in that offense? I think with the Eagles, uh, I think it's not the worst situation to, to go into. They're going into Green Bay. They're only four-point dogs, so... You give three to to the home team just off the bat, and it's it's really probably like a one point spread when it comes to to talent, even with the injuries. Um, Nelson Aguilar, you know, put up some decent points last week. Um, I think you'll see Zach Ertz continue to be a, a focal point going going forward. But I don't think it's going to be as bad as you think. So uh, he's not automatically a, a must sit for me. Um, I just have to evaluate what other you know, quarterbacks I have on my roster are, are ones that are available to go ahead and start this week because that Green Bay defense doesn't scare me quite as much as what it does some other people. Al, Sean, Jeffrey. So, Jeffrey expected to play. Um, you, are you going to be able to trust him? Um, I mean, if he's out there, you almost have to. Um, I, I think, uh, I, look, it, it's an injury, and I, I'm not a doctor. I, I don't sit in... in in the training room, I guess, to, to really tell you. So, you know, you, you kind of got to pay attention to what you see as far as warm-ups go. But you have to examine your roster. You know, check out our rankings on, on Fantasy Pros. Check out our, our show. It's a Thursday night game, so see what your other options are out there. A lot of the experts on Fantasy Pros, their rankings aren't really finalized, you know, on Thursday. But you'll have an idea of where they're looking at Alshon Jeffrey at in relation to some of the other guys that you may have on your your roster so just kind of look at the matchups and see the preliminary rankings there for thursday night and make the decision that that fits best with your roster i started him last week over stefan diggs and i'm glad i did um nelson aguilar 11 targets versus atlanta eight catches for 100 and a touchdown last week 12 targets eight catches 50 yards two touchdowns i know we don't like him really as this crazy athletic wide receiver scott but I think the, the the proof is there. When Carson Wentz is the quarterback and Nelson Aguilar is on the field, Wentz is targeting him. He likes Nelson a lot. We saw a red zone touchdown last week. Nelson Aguilar, I mean, I 
I think he's going to wind up being a top 25 guy this week, possibly again in PPR. Are, are you on board with Nelson Aguilar as a start? Yeah, I mean, I think we can go ahead and give ourselves a, a small golf clap for for basically listening to him as one of our plays of the week last week. Um, uh, look, he is what he is. The, there, there's not going to be much yak. I, I think he's going to going to see a lot of volume for as long as there's injuries to this wide receiver core there for Philadelphia. But I mean, he's he's going to produce until one of these guys, you know, kind of steps back. I think Deshaun Jackson's a, still a few games away. We, we talked about Alshon Jeffrey. He's kind of uh, a, a little bit of a, in limbo as far as the injury. But even if Alshon Jeffrey plays, I think I'm more comfortable starting Nelson Aguilar over Alshon Jeffrey this week. Let's switch over to the Packers, which this will be really quick. So Rodgers starting, Adams starting. I think this is the, this is the Adams breakout. I think he's going to put up a lot of fantasy points this week. So really the only question I have for you is um, Aaron Jones, you're starting him, I assume, correct? Yeah, but I, I'm starting him with uh, some, some worry as to what I'm seeing out of this coaching staff, and they're, they're just refusal to, to give Aaron Jones the reins and, and let him go. Um, you know, right now he's the, the running back 14, so I, I think you have to start him. Um, I think I ha- I'll have him around the running back 12 um, this week. So, um, you know, I think I'm going to have to reevaluate these rankings and really look at them for, for tomorrow, but I think you have to start him. Um. Last question, that offense, um, we hyped him up beginning of the year, struggled a little bit early, but they had some tough matchups. I sat him in a few leagues last week, cost me some wins, because it was a tough matchup, but Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Aaron Rodgers, That's it's clear right now that it's him over Allison. Jerome Allison did not come out to be anything, so Valdez-Scantling, I mean, look, Ronald Darby's out. The Eagles secondary is non-existent, so I think you're starting Valdez Scanlon this week. Do you agree with that? Oh, this is a cake matchup. As a matter of fact, for me in a league, I'm starting both Marquez Valdez Scanlon and Devonte Adams Ooh, together. So go. I'm going to go ahead and stack both of the Green Bay receivers. Um, I, I like where Marquez Valdez Scanlon is sitting, and you saw Aaron Rodgers hit him deep last week. So he he's a big, fast receiver, and I think as the weeks go on. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to continue to to go ahead and, and gain more confidence in him. And but look, let, let's be honest. This offense has to start putting in putting in more work for for Green Bay. I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers isn't even a, a, a top twelve quarterback thus far on the on the season. So uh, you know, if you're a guy that got Aaron Rodgers, you're, you're kind of having you know some concern as well. But I think this is that get right game for for Aaron Rodgers and that that offense. Um, Scott. I think that's about it. Anything we're missing for tomorrow night's game? No, uh, I mean, look, you know, get get some of your Packers guys in there, and uh, you know, go ahead and take advantage of this uh, piss poor Philadelphia secondary. <laughs> Scott, where can the people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Scott Smith FF. Um, you can hit us up on our uh, our the podcast uh, Twitter handle at Four Downs Pod. Check out my rankings on uh fantasy pros and uh you know if you've got any questions uh we bounce around and and do some radio spots here and there so uh check out your local sports stations and uh we might be on some of those as well at andrew wxxv is where you can find me on twitter and like scott said at the number four so four downs pod on twitter trying to build that following up guys we can help you with start sit and trade so that'll do it for our waiver wire show kind of slash recap of last week and 
we will be back later this week with the week four preview show. Go get Devontae Adams before he goes off tomorrow night. Uh, kill it on waivers and have a good middle of the week. It's hump day. Good luck this week. I'm waking up to ash and dust. I wipe my brow and I sweat my rust. I'm breathing in the chemicals. Fuck you, amenities, I'm getting better with time. Ah! I'm waking up.